in many cases, there are um, hero school librarians, media specialists that um, joy, they see that child who is struggling with their um, perhaps sexual orientation and they might not be allowed to have it on the shelf. But there are these hero media specialists and librarians that will have that relationship with those children and say, you know, maybe you need to read this to help them see themselves in print materials. Um, we hear those those stories all the time. Hey, it's Breaking Barriers, the diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging podcast. We're here for real talk. We're not afraid to go there. And we want you to come away emboldened and energized to take action and make change. We believe our diversity, our differences, when joined together by a common set of ideals, makes us stronger. When I set out to help someone, uh, it is my intention to do just that. I'm not trying to do anything other than meet somebody at their humanity. Your world has changed, but your dreams shouldn't have to. That's why Kirkwood is your next best step. With affordable, flexible, and close-to-home options, now's a great time to start or finish your Kirkwood degree. Learn more at kirkwood.edu slash findyourfuture. Displaced or discouraged at work, Kirkwood can help you learn a new skill or totally reinvent yourself for a brand new career. With so many flexible and affordable options, you can get back on track fast. Learn more at kirkwood.edu slash findyourfuture. What's happening, world? What's happening? We're back again for another episode of Top Ranks Breaking Barriers, the DEIMB podcast brought to you by our five-star presenting sponsor, Kirkwood Community College, and our silver diversity sponsor, Rise to Greatness. Thanks so much for your support. I am your co-host, Anthony Arrington. I'm joined by my co-host, Nick Ford. What's up, Nick? Hey, hey. Hey, we, we got our co-host, Joy, on the line. I can't see you, Joy, but I know you're there. What's, I'm here. Who's the world? I'm doing a little bit of my channeling Beyonce for this show. Yeah, Joy, Joy, <laughs> she done had her bay day. <laughs> Back from a great concert, seeing the, the world-famous Beyonce. We, we love it. I'm glad you had it chance to do that and we're joined by we are so excited today we, we're gonna have a we're gonna have some conversation we're gonna go down here we're, we are joined by why don't you tell us who we're joined by nick who, who is our guest so charity today? here today this is exciting because you know we've known charity for a while through swimming community and, and all and uh and the timing is great because i think the first week of next month is is uh it's band book week band book, band book week, week. So I'm going to do a little bit of bio and I'll have Charity see if she wants to add anything on to it. Uh, Charity is originally from Oklahoma City. Uh, she made her home here after graduating from the most awesome school in the state of Iowa, Co College. Go Cohawks. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Right, at least they have an offense, you know, so we can share about that. Uh, she serves on the Sudamish Community School District Master Facility Oversight Committee, Horizons, uh, Board of Directors, President of the Eastern Iowa Plan Giving Council. She's then uh, the immediate past president and financial officer for United for Libraries the Division of the American Library Association Sports Trustees Foundation, Friends of Libraries, as well as the Executive Director for our local uh, library here, the Foundation, since 2015. She's been uh, tons of not-for-profit work throughout uh, National Czech and Slovak Museum and Library. Uh, she lives here with her husband, Chris, who's awesome, swim, swim coach, and her, their children uh, and all their four-legged family members as well. My favorite is like Steve Tyler Cat. Yes, Steve Tyler Cat. <laughs> yeah. And Kevin Tyler Dog. Kevin yes, Tyler Dog. Yes. So welcome well. to the show, Charity. Um, Thank you. Uh, for later on in the show, we'll reference a lot of website stuff and links. We talked about this, that it'll be shared in the in the, the information at the end. So, so Charity, anything to add there? That we miss any of the No, I'm excited to be your guest and talk about this important yeah. um, subject and raise awareness, especially in advance of next week's um, band book week. Yeah. So I've got a great leadoff question. I've been thinking about it. I've been stewing about this since we knew you were going to be on the show. 
And uh, so when we think about the United States of America, this bastion for freedom, right? This, all these rights and, 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 and privileges in our country. When you start thinking about other countries historically that have banned books, what comes to mind and wh- how are we different? Are we different? I don't know. I don't know that today we're all that different. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I share that perspective, or I guess that opinion, is that um, typically the banning of materials is censoring information about or um, on topics that others deem different than themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's essentially censorship. And so when we talk about intellectual freedom, banning books, um, banning information, it really is a censorship issue. So it's you're either pro-censorship or anti-censorship. And um, I don't know when we look at history and other countries who have um, prevented their citizens from accessing materials that might oppose their personal viewpoints or be different from their personal viewpoints. I don't know that today we're seen as very different than those other countries who have done that in the past. Are are we masking it, though, as a protect the children? That is exactly what it is. So um, we're starting on the rabbit hole, Anthony. We're going. This is where (laughs) we go. Oh, my word. Okay, so. We we, we like the rabbit hole here. So (laughs) many rabbit holes. And I'm not. I, because of my involvement with United for Libraries um, and being past president and now fiscal officer, um, my level of um, knowledge and experience with this is very high level because as a national organization, we are really trying to advocate for the state members or state libraries or even state um, or even towns or counties that um, are experiencing book challenges and book bans. So when you get macro, I don't know a lot about it, but, and I don't, I try not to be political, which is why I say anti-censorship versus pro-censorship, but there are organizations like Mom for Libraries who have um, weaponized motherhood as a um, polarizing factor. Like, I'm not a good mom if I allow my children to read this book. And so protecting our children and weaponizing um, motherhood or weaponizing, um, which is something that's supposed to be cherished, right? Mm -hmm. Moms are supposed to protect their children. And, um, but, um, you know, Moms for Liberty is, is really weaponizing motherhood to protect their own children against viewpoints or information on those that are different from them. So... Yeah, we're going down the rabbit hole. I know. It's, it's I, I really it. easy to do. It is. But. And it's important, though. It's important. Yeah. Um, you, the, the, the big question for me, I guess, is why is it, from your lens, mm-hmm. are the books primarily about LGBTQ and black people? Why so, is that? One of the things that I did in preparation, I looked at the top 13 most challenged books from 2022. We're not through 2023 yet, so I can't give you the top list, right? right? We can only look at 2022. So when we look at um, those books, there is a consistent theme of um, LGBTQ um, content. um, And among those, um, those books, there is typically a claim that 
the books are also sexually explicit. I'm not saying that they are. There's that's one of the basis of the challenges of those books. Um, or there is sometimes difficult topics such as sexual abuse, which then leads into sexually explicit information um, or materials. And then the um, the other things, you know, drug use, um, drug use and profanity. It's these are all things that happen in our community and they're real and as a library champion a library advocate I truly feel that there is value in an individual whatever their age being able to see themselves and being able to see their personal experiences in printed material Mm -hmm. So that they know they're not alone, so that they know that there are others, or so that they know someone sees them for what they've experienced. And um, leave it to the parent to restrict the materials that their children access, but don't make that decision for my family. Right. So I'm not saying that material is appropriate for all ages. I'm not saying it's appropriate for all children, depending on your household. But to flat out ban it and restrict access to all because you're offended by it right. is a problem. It have, is. Have there been but discussions? Like, I, I think back to some of us are, are older in here. Think back to when they started doing like ratings of movies and ratings of music videos. We were actually talking about this on the, on the way back from our trip today. And yeah. about, you know, one of the things that really boosted hip hop albums was when they did put that censorship label mm-hmm. on it. Has there been any talk with books of doing something similar? Because if their excuse is we don't want young kids to have some access to this material, instead of just randomly, it, it seems so random in a lot of cases. Well, not random, but random of what's actually in the book. The topics aren't random. Is there any discussion about maybe that would be a way to control it? Or have they just gone all the way, just we're just going to ban it? I am so glad you asked that question. <laughs> So, um, and I had no idea that you were going to ask this question, but in uh, a most recent um, library advocacy intellectual freedom committee meeting, we talked about Texas. So on June 12th of this year, Texas Governor Abbott signed into law House Bill 900, and that bill would have required book vendors to review and rate books for their sexual content under a vaguely articulated standard as a condition of doing business with Texas, Texas public schools. So they, put, they were putting the onus on the publishers and book vendors to rate the books that the publishers and vendors thought were sexually explicit. And then under the law, if a book was not labeled sexually explicit, but the state of Texas felt that it was, then the state of of Texas was allowed under this law was allowed to change that rating and the publisher or vendor would be forced to accept their change. So essentially, so do the work, do the work, but we're also going to look at it. And if we disagree with you, we're right. Right. So, um, thankfully, uh, the, uh, association of American publishers and a lot of other organizations challenged it. And, um, just September 19th, um, there was a um, publisher's weekly article that, um, summarized an opinion where, um, the Texas judge blocked that book rating law because it's putting the onus on the creators of the material, but not giving them any protection and not actually, um, even defining what Texas might consider sexually explicit. 
And um, the judge said, you know, if you want to do that, you do it. It could be different for every town. And continuing down this rabbit hole, Iowa has a, a law that is also worded fairly vaguely. Um, is that Senate file 496? That is it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I did my research, too. Yes. Well. <laughs> so Senate file 496. Um, so the Urbandale, Iowa, school district, um, they um, identified um, 374 books mm-hmm. for removal. Wait, wait, how many? 374. 374 books for removal. Um without even knowing whether or not schools in the district owned the books. They just said, all right, this is what it is. So it was an attempt um, or a justification to comply with um, Senate File 496. And um, there were protests and yada, yada, yada. And the list was revised to only, and I'm using air quotes that no one can see, only 65 books. We're video too, by the way. Oh, good. Hi. We'll see the air quotes. So so only um, 65 books. So that's one instance. More recently, um, I think it was Mason City used artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. They used ChatGPT. Yes, to determine what books should not be allowed in their schools, in their school libraries. And, um, you know... There was a lot of um, uproar, and I actually have no idea what the outcome of all of that chaos was, but, like, Friday Night Lights was one of them. Mm -hmm. And so that author um, publicly shamed them, basically. And eventually, Friday Night Lights was added back into the allowed column. Right. But that shows um, we've all talked about what are the pitfalls um, and or potential Potential um, problems we can get into for using um, AI. Because, mm-hmm. to- like for me, yeah. I don't agree with any of Christopher Columbus books. <laughs> yep. So, are we going to pull? You know, I, I just Absolutely. wonder where is the the under this for people that disagree with what they're doing. I'm waiting for them to say. However, even though I disagree, I can use that this is insanity right mm-hmm. in some ways to show people that it doesn't work right like it's not healthy because most people would say well joy hey whether we d- d- disagree or agree with christopher columbus that's going to be in history right? right well now i'm a parent i currently have a 14 year old right and i don't agree he didn't even step foot on on in in the united states right like let's talk about yeah. it right? right he did not and so i'm just waiting for the pushback to actually use real things to say, okay, if we're going to go extreme, let's go extreme, which will push people then to say, okay, maybe we need to rethink this, like the Friday night's example. And so from your lens, what do you think about that? Or how do you feel about that? It is too soon to see the outcome because I can tell you that extremism is already occurring. There were, um, I think it was in Ohio or Pennsylvania, there were, um, politicians at a fundraiser that used um, flamethrowers to burn what they say were empty boxes. Um, And then the caption on all the social media was um, burning books because we're not going to allow this in our schools. Right. And they, they denied that there were books in it, but the visual, and that is extreme, right? Physically having two elected officials with flamethrowers. I think it was Kansas. Uh, Yeah. I I remember. What group was it that did that once? 
Oh, Nazis. Yes. Yes. Details. Yes. yes. Just, Say that, Nick. Yes. So that's where, you know, Joy pushing it to the extreme, how much farther do we go? Right. Because there is... Um, there's still so much going on. One of the things that I follow, and I've shared this with you, Anthony, Emily, in your phone, um, and then Howdy Politics. So when you look at a map, there is a map on the um, ALA website. I believe it's the Office of Intellectual Freedom. But there's a map that tracks how many um, books have been challenged and how many challenges have been made, I believe. And it's um, in... It's color-coded, right? So the lightest color is the fewest, and there are actually two states, God bless Mississippi and North Dakota, I had no idea, have zero book challenges and um, zero books banned or whatever. So, okay, yay. Um, There's two positives there, but Texas is um, more than crimson. You know, Texas is the darkest color of red because they have had the most challenges and the most bans, et cetera. More than Florida. More Where are we Florida. at? Because that was one of my questions. How do we rank into Because we're all over. I see Iowa all over the news where you're from and where, where we're from. Um, so I know, like, I sent CNN and Rolling Stone and Fortune Magazine, and I'm like, why are we all over the map? Where do we rank? I'm looking over short of the map. It's not good. <laughs> I was going to say, we. so we are what I would consider orange. We're not quite dark orange, but we're also not light orange. Um, we have had um, six attempts to restrict access and 43 titles challenged in those six attempts. Yeah. Um, so, if here, since you're visual, you can see the darkest mm-hmm. um the darkest color, it's almost brown, is Texas, and um, Florida would probably only be two shades lighter than us, so Florida's okay, but like this is um, American Library Association Office of Intellectual Freedom. They have that interactive map. So just so we're clear, when a book is challenged, what's that mean? That means that a parent or entity or organization has brought to the attention of um, typically the um, the governing bodies. So it could be the school board, it could be the city council, it could be the library trustees in an organization where it's the library, where the library trustees are over providing governance oversight to an institution. Um, But a formal challenge and United for Libraries, um, because I'm a foundation director, United for Libraries supports foundations, trustees and friends groups by helping them understand what policies will protect them from these challenges. So in a lot of cases, the challenges are protected, are protecting their materials by adequate collection development policies and then a very robust um, challenge review process that, um, you know, one of the questions, did you read the book from front to back, right? So you can challenge it because your mom said that it was bad or because your sister in Texas said that it was a horrible book, but did you read it? Do you know what the book actually is? So just because it was challenged doesn't mean it's banned. Correct. Okay. Correct. And so. So where's the data on that? Like how many are actually, like what's the percentage that of challenges that are. Like I, I, read, one not, in, I read about one in Florida and it was basically a, a form they filled out and the school got rid of the book because the parent basically read, I don't understand this. And that happens a lot. And that's where we go back to those collection development policies and the challenge procedures. The school got rid of the book before it even blew up because they were probably afraid of the blow up, Mm -hmm. right? That was probably a fear reaction, but getting the policies in place protects the, um, protects the libraries or the institution that own the books. So I want to circle back to, to Joyce Christopher Columbus point Mm -hmm. and and really the root, uh, the work we do around equity and inclusion, particularly racial equity. So, 
I'll preface this by saying this is Anthony Arrington's point of view. I, I believe the book banning is a, is a racist and a sexist process. I, I believe that to my mm-hmm. core. And I have data to show that. Yes. So from your lens as a director of a library, what do you believe or what are you hearing? What, what, what is, what's, what's in your mind? We do see it as, um, as silencing the marginalized. It's absolutely the, the majority, if not all, of the efforts to ban books. Um, all the challenges are silencing the marginalized and hiding what they would deem different or offensive um, from their like-mindedness, right? Mm-hmm. So it is. It's, it's um, BIPOC. It's LGBTQIA. Mm-hmm. It is the marginalized individuals. And, you know, some of these um, on the list from last year – it's rampant drug use and sexual abuse experiences, right? So that happens. Those victims are still marginalized because of their situation. They are not, you know, they're not um, general public white Betty or John, right? right? It's these are people that are different and they might not want their children or, um, or others to have access to that material for fear of, oh, no, exposure to real life. Oh, my gosh. Right? Oh, my goodness. There's really are drug people that have drug problems in the world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like people have sex in the world, right? Like, don't get me started. But yeah. I'm sorry, Joe, you were, were you going to say something? I cut you off. <laughs> no, not at all. I was just agreeing because I, I just I'm wondering, are we at a point? First, first of all, I think that in this time period, and I'll say from you know, we know who's been leading a lot of these initiatives. And oftentimes the response has been, well, let's just wait and see. And I don't think that that's working. I know it's not working, right? And things are, we're allowing words and phrases and books to be hijacked without any counter response. My background is marketing. So just from my marketing brain, I would tell you that that is never the correct response. To do nothing and wait and see it's never the right answer, right? Like, and in fact, from a marketing lens, it's always better to be able to get in front of things, right? There's never a time where a marketer is going to tell you, don't try to control that narrative. And in fact, what is happening is we've allowed, allowed terms like DEI to be hijacked without any good response to them. And so I just think that this is another one of those things that we need to be intentional in how we set up our responses. We need to be active and we need to say, okay, well, you know what? On the flip side, if these books that support black and brown and LGBTQI identities aren't going to be allowed, then we need the funding for books so that these oppressed and minoritized populations can then educate their own. Absolutely. And that's where Joy is at today. (laughs) So one of of the things that um, Seattle Public Libraries and Brooklyn, New York Public Libraries made available earlier this summer, it's called Books Unbanned. And it is anyone in the United States can access, can up can simply fill out a form and they get their digital library card from those two libraries and they can access any ebook or audiobook they want, band, band materials they want from so anywhere. Seattle and Brooklyn, you said? Seattle and Brooklyn. It's 
called Books Unbanned. Um, what is interesting, and I will admit that I have a staff member who tested the boundaries here, and it's fine. Um, but it's so um, Brooklyn, I believe, is 13 to 21 year olds and um, Seattle is 13 to 26, because when we look at the materials that are being challenged and or banned, um, those are the age groups that are largely targeted in terms of whether it's readership or subject material. And so um, I say my I have a staff member who challenged she is older than 26 and she was able to get one of their little digital cards and she has access to their um, their materials. So it that's something, you know, books unbanned for um, to completely open up access to those marginalized communities um, with digital and audio content. Yeah. Oh, so, so, many questions. Questions. We're trying. so many questions. You're not going to teach us that in the public schools and give us some money and get out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. I want to circle back to, to, to Joy's point on marketing as a, as a marketer. So obviously we know October 1st to the 7th is banned, yes. banned book week, but what else is, is the library association, the ALA are doing to combat this? So we have an, uh, uh, initiative, um, campaign. I'm not sure what the word is. It's Unite Against Book Bans. It's online. Um, you sign up for it. There is an advocacy toolkit. There are marketing materials. There are social media posts. Okay. Um, there are talking points um, so that you can address people who might feel differently, who might be supporting um, a book ban. You can address them. And, um, you know, it, here, I, I printed them so because there's so many, but I, I speak from a Different perspective, but parents have the right to guide their own children's reading. Parents should not be making decisions for other parents' children. Specifically, a small group of parents should not dictate what books other people's children are allowed to read. So that's one of those blurbs, one of those talking points. Um, so having that in place is important. The other piece that's not necessarily marketing, but Joy, it addresses your being proactive and addressing things. So I already covered one thing, which is having your collection development policies well-defined and having your challenge process also well-defined so that you can effectively decline the challenges when they're, they don't warrant. The other piece, um, there is a small group of um, publishers and um, and library advocates. So when I say publishers, think Penguin Random House and Harcourt and all these really large names that you see on the books that you have in your home. Um, They're working to create pro-librarian, pro-library, pro-book legislation so that they could hopefully pass it in some of these states that we have not yet seen um, librarians criminalized. So I believe it was in Wyoming or Idaho um, two years ago. So this has been, we've been watching it for some time. Two years ago, there was a law passed that um, was a little bit like Texas's bounty on anti-abortion efforts. Mm -hmm. You know, if you turned in a librarian who gave a child what you deemed to be an offensive book or a sexually explicit book, it was like that librarian could be jailed for this many days and you'll get five grand. I'm, I'm, making up the stats, but it was that bounty. That type and, of bounty approach. Yeah, and so we want you to turn them in, and then you get rewarded, and then they get jail time or something like that. And so um, trying to pass legislation that protects them from the beginning is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, state of Illinois, um, I think it was the Secretary of State of Illinois, passed some legislation protecting libraries and um, protecting their state against book bans, which is really amazing. Yeah. 
Um, but other states can follow suit if they get that, that yeah. information. So one of the things we've talked about a lot of shows, I'm going to steal some of Joy's words here because I, I love how she says it, is, you know, talk about critical race theory in schools. It's a unicorn. It's a dragon. It doesn't exist, right? <laughs> uh, what are some of the other ones, Joy, that we loved? We, uh, um, <laughs> anti or reverse racism, you know, it, it doesn't exist, right? When you talk about, you hear a lot of narrative about um, these books being in elementary schools. Are they really there? The books that they're really worried about as far as the, the sexual explicit stuff? Or are they just using that, again, as an excuse, oh, as a marketing question. tool to say the fear factor, right? Yeah. Because yeah, honestly, if my kid was seven years old, there's probably stuff I don't want them reading mm -hmm. or being exposed to. Again, I don't want to make that choice for other parents. But also, like, I don't want a seven-year-old drinking a shot of alcohol either. Right. So as a parent, I can understand that. But I can see, is, is it really there? Or In some is of it, them, they are. So it really is, In right? In some so, of them, they are. Um, one of the examples um, is um, This Book is Gay by Juno Dawson. Um, there were 48 challenges um, last year, and it was due to LGBTQIA content. Um, it was deemed or... a um, uh, accused of being sexually explicit, but what it is, it is a sex education book. Mm -hmm. You know, so it is meant for young adults who are trying to explore their sexuality, right? And so um, that is one. I can't remember if that's the one that is um, written in the form of a graphic novel, um, but Regardless, no, I, they're outliers. I mean, exactly. They're so outliers. They're, they're outliers, but so some of them are there. And I, Nick, I agree with you. I have a kid that's in fourth grade, and I don't think I'm ready for her to see that him to see that book, right? I don't, I don't. But that's my decision. Or at least not until I read it first, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Nick, you tell me how it is. Yes. <laughs> but so, but that's that's my decision, and I'm not going to make that decision for someone else. Let's go there, Charity. Yeah, and it's interesting right. because I. We all grew up with libraries too, right? Like when I was growing up, I, I, not that I'm aware of, they didn't have these book bands, right? And so oftentimes you just gravitated to the things that you were naturally interested in, right? And you had the freedom to do that in your library. And so I agree, it feels like these books, there may be one or two outliers, something that if I, if I was LGBTQ I, or if I'm gay, that might be very important it, to me, yes. right? The fact that I never see representation that looks like me. Um, I was somewhere recently and somebody shared that, you know, that they were pansexual. And they said that essentially they had to be invisible or, or show up and feel invisible. And so there's so many other outliers that come with that, that we're not mm -hmm. dealing with. That it, 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 this, we have a push towards mental wellness. But at the same time, we're like, but you can't see yourself reflected in your schools. We can't talk about oppression. We can't all of these other things. And it's such a counter narrative to what we say we really want. And that is to be an inclusive society. Now, again, a lot of people pushing this. They aren't saying that they want to be an inclusive society. In fact, they're very much using dog whistle um, terminology to really uplift and empower what they perceive as, as the dominant culture, which, OK, that's another conversation, but it just is like we've had my children grew up. I have a I have a 14 year old and I also have a 25 or 26 year old who now has to say she's my sister. <laughs> but guess what? They made it through and right. they were OK. And right. with the fact that they had to kill a mockingbird 
and they read To Kill a Mockingbird actually made them better off humans in the world. And so I just want to share that. Well, and I agree with you that, you know, we um, and uh, we believe that every great library has something to offend everyone. Right. And and so. so, (laughs) No way. Yeah, I mean, Huck Finn, anything but anything right? for that generation. Exactly. So every great library should have that. And I need to, you know, make sure that, Nick, to your question, there are libraries that had those books. Not all libraries by any means. It was I, a very small segment. Yeah, it's it really is a small segment. And um, in many cases, there are um, hero school librarians, media specialists, that um, joy, they see that child who is struggling with their um, perhaps sexual orientation and they might not be allowed to have it on the shelf, but there are these hero media specialists and librarians that will have that relationship with those children and say, you know, maybe you need to read this to help them see themselves in print materials. Yeah. Um, we hear those those stories all the time. Yeah. So without making it political, we, I mean, we know what side of the f- spectrum is pushing these bans, right? Correct. And, and why? How, it's, but it's the same group that's, all about freedom of speech, all about Second Don't Amendment tread rights, on me. all about yeah, exactly. So how how is that narrative work? I, I just I'm so confused by it. It's like, how do you say? It's not confusing. We, well, it's not, but it, it baffles my mind. I mean, yeah. it's that's confusing. It just baffles me. Like, how can we say freedom of speech? How can we say all our you know, our Constitution is this and our rights and our Bill of Rights is this? This seems so contrary to that. It does, but when you're weaponizing mother, motherhood and you are speaking in protection of the children, then that doesn't apply to me. That, do, that right. doesn't apply to me. I'm t- protecting my children right. well, and don't take my guns. Right. right? But Right. And we're talking, when we're talking specifically about this, again, we, we go back to root cause. It has nothing to do with, in my opinion, nothing to do with really whether a mom wants her child to read it. And it has more to do with I don't want my children finding out about the, the true history of this country. I don't want yeah. my children to find out that human beings uh, of the same biological sex like each other and it's okay to love each other and, and it's okay. That's, that's the reality. So let's just not sugarcoat it. That's just what it is. I want to circle back to you. You're in this position every, you got to get up every day and come yes. to work and hear this stuff every day. You got, and you, when you see me, you know, I'm going to say something to you about it. Yes. And it's just good. How are you doing? How, how are librarians like yourselves in your positions doing? You're a fundraiser. Like yes. this impacts, are you getting donors that say, I'm not giving you any money if you, what, what's happening in, in charities world and how are you dealing with this? So one of the things, um, I am hearing it from donors occasionally, not all the time, thank goodness, but I do hear from donors occasionally. Many of those donors do not regularly use our library, and um, that is fine because I'm really good with understanding that they believe in the importance of our public library, right? Um, That we are a vital resource. We're not just about books, but we're providing books and information and access to computers um, to those in our community who, um, who need it. Questions I get um, about public libraries specifically is uh, is generally around computer access as well. So I hear you let 10-year-olds access porn on your public computers. Do you really believe that? Another unicorn, Joy. <laughs> yeah, another unicorn. Do you really unicorn believe sighting. that our 
Public library is just saying, hey, here's this porn website, access this. It's, no, that's that's completely false. Um, we do not, what I'm going to say, we do not censor access on our public computers, much like, much like we don't censor our materials, mm-hmm. right? But we do have behavior policies that are absolutely enforced, right? So when you sign on to look, use a public computer, you have to click those behavior policies and agree not to access porn. You have to agree that you're not going to access offensive content. And when I say offensive content, it could be a very, very violent video that the person sitting next to you is going to maybe vomit because of the content, right? Because it is so, so you agree to these behavior policies and those behavior policies are there to prevent you from doing things that are inappropriate. So that's like, that's what I'm hearing. I yeah. am not hearing a lot of the book things at our public library right now. Yeah. Um, and I think that's because we have done a great job of speaking out about, you know, every public library has something to offend. Um, privacy is very important. It is the core of the public library. It is um, part of the Library Bill of Rights. And we are also not going to track, Anthony, what you're checking out or what you're looking up online. Um, Nick, we're not going to do that for you either. And um, Joy, if you find um, materials that you aren't familiar with in your child's bedroom and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what this is. So I'm going to Google, how do I build a bomb to see if my child has been building a bomb? I'm not saying your kid's doing that, but you know what I mean? As a mother, I might be just seeking information to better understand something that I've seen or found in my child's bedroom. It doesn't mean I'm doing it, right? right? Or maybe I will seek out a book on that because I found something in my child's things. I'm I'm making up scenarios. You're parenting. I'm parenting. Right. Exactly. I'm parenting, but that doesn't mean the book shouldn't be allowed. That doesn't mean the content is not allowed to be accessed. Right. And so every good library every great library has something to offend everyone so you think do you think in cedar rapids iowa where you're leading you think that's helped our, your public the public I library think so, where we're yeah at? i really feel like we we have a good space we have yeah. a great dialogue our staff is amazing they they answer individuals and patrons questions about books you know they'll they'll bring a book to someone's attention say i don't know that this should be in here and i'll say okay that's okay but don't you think someone else should be able to access it if they're curious or if they're, they want to see it. And they usually go, Oh, well, yeah, just because I don't want right. to see it. You know, well, have you seen an increase in those types of inquiries and questions? Have you, has a, there's been a noticeable I increase not, by your staff? I have not heard about it. Okay. I have not heard about it. Um, you know, as the foundation director and fundraiser, I'm not on the front lines. Gotcha. So gotcha. I'm not seeing their interactions. I'm not recording them and they don't record every single interaction either. So, so library receiving hate mail and hate emails. You getting hate mail? We are not, thankfully. Others do. Okay. I mean, so there's um, there's been bomb threats. Let's see. Iowa City was closed not that long ago for a bomb threat. Um, I think maybe Des Moines. Around the books, around yeah, the topic yeah. of books. Okay. Um, I think maybe Des Moines was, um, like, more than once. There were consecutive days. And it's happening. Um, there was a... In California, in a very, very, what is considered a very, very liberal county in California, a friend of mine is a trustee, and um, they received bomb threats for a week. Their public library had to be closed for a week. 
because of these bomb threats. So that's an, that's another of restricting access to information, mm-hmm. right? That's another form. Another form of um, what I'm going to call vigilante book banning is, um, especially during June um, for Pride Month, um, individuals will walk into libraries and eat and check out all the books on the Pride Book display. We have not necessarily seen that in Cedar Rapids, and I don't know that Marianne or Hiawatha have, but it happens across the country where they don't feel like that pride display is okay, and so they'll just check out all the books and, quite frankly, not return them. Maybe it would be beneficial if they read some of them. <laughs> you think? Yeah. Really? Cool. I think that, that leads us into our good – we have a listener question. And, and yeah, let's get I to think it. that leads us into it well. So, so Ethan from Milwaukee, his question is, you know, book bans – I mean, obviously he thinks it's kind of ridiculous, but he's like, is it like a a drinking age? Is it like you can't buy certain things over a certain age? Is is it really, is there any effectiveness to it? I mean, is, or historically, is there effectiveness to it? Or does it seem like, like my wife's a teacher, she's like, well, that's the first book I would give a kid now if if, if she doesn't get in trouble for it. Right, right. So for those who are... um for those who have difficulty accessing information and are part of those populations, banning that book absolutely hurts. For those of us who have access and those of us who, um, who are in the world and want to learn and want to know about the other and want to grow and understand um, that other person's perspective, you know, going back to it's treat someone how you want to be treated. No, no, no. Treat someone how they want to be treated, right? What do, what do, what do they, you know, understanding them. For us, it doesn't necessarily harm because we can probably figure out how to get access to those books. And it does increase the profile. It does tend to increase maybe online sales and things like that when they make that list. However, for those individuals who might need the book and be um, not have the independence or the um, financial um, opportunity or ability to go out and seek that content, it is harmful. Mm-hmm. And it is effective for what their cause is, unfortunately. But they're not out loud causes. Yes, 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 yes. Thanks for that question, Ethan. Keep, keep questions coming in at info at toprankculture.com. Keep them coming in. We appreciate it. So where do we go? What, what, what keeps you up at night in this space? Like you, you've been in this since 2015 yes. in the library space. Yes. Um, what, what, you've seen this massive change. Well, what keeps you up at night and what do we do? It really is the speed at which the, um, the snowball has been growing, right? So um, we had um, 20% more book challenges in this year yeah. um, than previous year than um than 2022 2022 was already a record breaking year. I was going to say that year. was a record year. It was an absolute and so just from January 1 through August 31st we've already seen a 20% increase and we haven't even started, right? So organizations and and political organizations that is they're right now making their plans for what they're going to propose in the next legislative session. And so that's what keeps me up at night. What is coming? What do we not know about? Um, that's one of the reasons I um, follow Howdy Politics. It's a woman in Texas. She has her finger on the pulse of what's going on in Texas um, legislation, both in book banning, but also gun control and a bunch of other things. But Texas tends to be the testing ground for um, policy 
that then makes its way across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw that with um, abortion laws, right? Yep. And so um, I, I follow that, and that is what keeps me up because we don't know what's coming. And Joy, to your point about being proactive, until we can get ahead of the game and educate people on the importance of intellectual freedom and um, the importance of protecting the librarians and those that are working with books and working with the patrons and the children until we can protect them and, um, and adequately educate, hopefully everyone, that might be wishful thinking, but enough, right? Yeah. I, it's going to be a struggle. So when you're up at night, I'm, hey, to the audience, to the folks that can't see, I'm, I'm going to hand you a crystal ball. And this is a crystal ball. Yes. And you get to do what you want with this crystal ball to make the change. Right. What right. would you do? Here's your crystal ball. Tell your genie what you want. <laughs> I would love to see the protective um, policies be put in place to protect books, to protect publishers, to protect authors, and to protect the librarians. Um, right now, the criminalization of librarianship <laughs> Um, under the guise of protecting children, is a problem. We have people afraid to go to work. Um, and to be able to put some of those policies in place would give us time to do the marketing and the education, right? So if we can get the protections in place, um, that means we've adequately educated our elected officials to pass the legislation, right? Right. And then we can start really working in our communities. Um, right now, we are trying to work in our communities, and there's a lot more the American Library Association is going to be doing over the next year. Um, I don't even know what all it is because it's such a vast topic. Right. But if we can get some protections uh, in place, so protecting against book bans, protect the library vendors. So Nebraska has been fighting... Um, Online resource providers. So EBSCO is a really great example. They provide databases and resources to libraries, um, both school libraries and public libraries. And someone told someone else that they that EBSCO lets people access pornography. That isn't anything about what their platform is. They're they're just an online resource. They're a tool. They're a vendor, right? And so. They're not doing the homework. They're just listening to what Sally at church said. And they're passing legislation or trying to. And so if we can protect them all, hmm. that's what my crystal ball, that's what my I would ask my genie for. Hear that, Joy? I was telling Joy, we need a unicorn buzzer. Like, we hit it. Yes, we do. Pops up. I agree, Charity. I hear you say that in the same way those who are opposing our freedoms are preparing, those who are committed to protecting our freedoms we also need to be preparing. And Speaking. so often we are reactive, but we need to be right now while they are in session, we need to be in session as well and building and saying, you know what, this is what we're going to do. We, we, we have a hunch this is coming, but whether it comes or not, we're going to protect our librarians. We're going to protect our freedom. We're going to do all of those things too. So I, I love yes. that you actually share something that we actually can do because there are things we can do. We got to pivot from the stance of we just got to take whatever comes at, at us into the stance of no, we right. we can build some protections around ourselves. Right. We can protect. And I, I would I would venture to say there are probably more people that align with this, but so often our voice is so much quieter. And so we got to work on that right. too. Absolutely. Yeah. They don't know what they don't know. They know that they don't like it. 
but they don't know what they don't know. United for Libraries um, has a toolkit um, that is free, so it's not behind a paywall. Um, and we created it specifically for library trustees and library governing bodies, but it is also very useful for um, for library citizen, right? And one of the things we did a um, deep dive on definitions of um, intellectual freedom and censorship, because what happens is all of these people who are making policy or creating challenges, they are using terms that maybe my mom hasn't heard before. And so it's very intimidating for someone who isn't um, in that world to know how to respond. They might know they don't like it, but they might feel stupid saying that without the actual context for some of the terms. Right. So we're trying to help. I, I love how, how Joy and Sherry, how you brought that together. Because, you know, when you think about, and in my mind, this this is starts heading up there. The greatest atrocities that have been in existence as humans have been on this planet have been done while the silent majority sit back and do nothing. Right. Right. And, and I love this call to action where no more silent majority. I mean, we need to I'm giving you, I'm giving you snaps. You give me snaps? The greatest Ooh, snaps today. have been done. So while, while the uh, silent majority sat back and did nothing. Yes, yes. It, it, right. stop doing nothing. So I'm the proverbial. So, so then my question is, yeah. how, how do we get involved? How does that silent majority, what do, what's the, what do they do? How do they get involved in this? Um, that was, yeah. Yeah, how do we, what's what's next? How so do we get them So Unite Against Book Pans is a great website. Anyone can sign up to join the challenge, you know, to join the army of library advocates. Um that again, it has the toolkit. It has everything you might need to educate your friends, educate your book club, arm your book club. Um, I am going to give a shameless plug for the Cedar Rapids Public Library Foundation Please swag do. website. Um, we have an amazing partnership with Raygun, and this week we will be introducing new banned book um, swag. So, um, examples of the shirt one of them says this barbie reads band books right i think so, i have the i read band books one the gray right. and purple one yeah. yeah so we're gonna we're gonna brand it with cedar rapids public library and we're gonna be mm -hmm. selling that for band book week and we'll keep those on there we already have um we already have a few um i have one that i love that's called i'm with the band and then mm -hmm. has our library logo on it and when you talk about what can you do quite frankly wearing that says a lot mm -hmm. um i vacationed this summer with um, longtime friends. You know, they've, we've been family friends for 30 years. I vacationed with them. We spend 4th of July with all of our families. There are usually about 16 or 17 of us, three families. And two of the families have vastly different viewpoints than I do. And the last time I was with them, they were talking about a lot of things that I deemed offensive that they also deemed offensive, but for very different reasons. Like mm -hmm. they were really about silencing the other and things like that. And so I didn't want to have that experience. We were in one of their homes, so that's why I just kept my mouth shut because she was my hostess for a week. Mm -hmm. um, but I wore my I'm with a band t-shirt that first night, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. we all arrive, we're sitting around the dinner table, and I have my I'm with the band t-shirt on, and I think I brought another t-shirt to wear mm -hmm. that was very, and guess what? They didn't bring up anything offensive, not once. You know, they understood, and so that was my way of keeping the peace, but also saying don't go there. Um, because this is this is where I stand, um, and um, and so there are ways that we can be out in the public and be at the checkout stand and be, you know, championing banned books, 
And that is a way of not actually putting your neck on the line, but absolutely advocating for libraries and for banned books. I, well, I, so I'm going to, I think it's a great thing. I'm probably going to take it a step further. And I think people need to put their necks on the line a little more. I, well, Having said I that, absolutely I think that agree. I love, yeah. I love your approach. I, I, I like what you said. And I also think it goes back to what I constantly say all the time. We, we can have these big conferences and training and all this stuff, but what, what happens at uncle Jimmy's table? Right. 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 That is what matters. What right. happens in, in church Mm-hmm. When you hear this stuff at church Absolutely. or where you have an opportunity to leverage yourself or to leverage the point. And, and to Joy's point, we can't, we can't keep proverbially turning the other right. cheek. Right. And that's well, what we're doing. And social media is a great tool to educate yeah. everyone and also to let people know. So sharing, sharing, yeah. sharing social media posts and statistics are really, um, they're impactful. And, um, you know, the Office of Intellectual Freedom is, um, and then there's a Freedom to Read Foundation. So the Office of Intellectual Freedom is actually a division of ALA, American Library Association. But the Freedom to Read Foundation, that is a nonprofit that offers um, offers um, legal support to libraries and or librarians, um, you know, combating these challenges. So all of, both of these um Entities have lots of social media content that we can all share. Yeah. And um, whether it's on social media or just share when we're having that conversation at your friend's dinner table. Absolutely. You know, it, it's, it, it's funny. It, it, in our line of work, we always say a lot of times we feel like we're preaching to the choir. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. And sometimes I think we need to preach to the chorus as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. It's true. <laughs> you know. Yeah. We want to wrap us up here, Joy. I think we, you know, we could, we could, we could talk to you all day. We really could. Um, yeah, this is, this is, this is, this is our gem right here, having yeah. these conversations. And I just had never thought about it from the lens of people that actually work in that industry and have to fight against or still want to support. And from the complexity your role has being someone that really believes in the freedom of speech. And like you said, sometimes it's not even that I agree with what is said or in the book. It's just, I agree with the right for it to be there and people to have access to it. And so we just appreciate you coming on here and expanding people's knowledge and awareness. We're hoping some of our listeners listened out there and will stop by and get that. uh, I'm with the band. I'm going to get one of those. I absolutely love that. You know, I'm a a marketing girl. I'm a marketing My wife's got one already. Good, good. Uh, they're online. Um, I, mean, I, I want people to be more like me. Like when I see a list of something that's banned, I want to go read it. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, there's there's also um, there's a banned book Facebook group locally or regionally. Iowa City Cedar Rapids. There's a band, and they talk about the banned books and they they read the banned books together and stuff. So there's lots of if you reach out to your own communities and um, Google banned book book clubs and things. There are so many of them, and what. Our challenge is, as a national organization, is how do we mobilize them? Right. And I so that's to, why I thank you. This yeah. is a great opportunity for Thanks. us to and educate. We'll spread the word, yeah. And to Joy's point, being the marketing expert she is, that, that proactive messaging, you know, if I, can I give advice to you? Yes, <laughs> right. Or can I just give my opinion? Please. To Joy's point, we've got to find simple ways, simple messaging, not com- not overly right. complex. And I think that those that oppose get very good at that, making simple that you can call them culture war messages, whatever you want to call them, but they make them simple enough that, that Jimmy at the bar understands it. And those are the people that we've got to deal with. And those are the, and there's more, there's more people that care about books that sit at those bars too. 
Right. And how do we get the simple message to them? Well, and in the churches who seem to be spearheading, there are also people that that believe in access to materials and in intellectual freedom and the freedom to read and arming them with the information so that they can speak out as well. So is there anything else as we as we wrap up? Is there anything else that is important for our audience to know? You know, I think we've given them some good nuggets, some action items, wear T-shirts, join Band Book Cubs. Yeah, share. Jump online. If you see someone who might be marginalized um, and ha- be in a community um, that there are banned books, you know, share the um, unbanned um, books access via Brooklyn New York Public Library, yeah. Seattle Public Library. So share those resources. Right. Um, join Unite, um, Unite Against Book Bans. You know, join that. You'll be on the mailing list. You'll get all the communications. Follow them on social media so you can share their social media messages. There are a number of organizations that are working very diligently. Um, the opposition is very well organized, and they've been working longer than we knew they were working. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What you doing when we're when we're asleep? They're working. Right. 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 Also, as a reminder, you know, a lot of the links that we're we're, we're discussing and, and and sources will be included in this. Yep. Um, when post production, um, again, charity, thank you so much. This is this has actually been enlightening, and um, as always, and and I just again, people don't be the silent majority anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, speak up. Speak up. So a big shout out to our five star presenting sponsor, Kirkwood Community College. We appreciate your partnership on this podcast. Also, big thanks to our silver diversity sponsor, Rise to Greatness. We also want to give thanks to our friends at Breaking Barrier supporters, Community Savings Bank, and Charity's husband as well, Tyler Link at Barnes DDS. Yes. So, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Hit us up. Send your questions, comments, suggestions to info at toprank.talentsolutions.com or info at toprankculture.com. Either one awesome. works. Absolutely. So thanks. Thanks to our listeners. Big shout out to our listeners. We wouldn't be able to be here without you. Continue to spread the word, share, especially this episode, important topic, uh, important topic for, for us all. So Thank you for your time, Charity. Thank you. Hopefully, so we much. could do it again. We could talk. We, we may we have to have talk. a part two. I was going to say, I'm happy guests. to do that. Yeah, we could <laughs> we, we could yeah. do a part two starting, yeah. you know, in January, Absolutely. so we can see what the legislature. Hopefully, our part. next discussion is on how book bans didn't work, and we're past that. Oh my gosh, yeah. I would love that. I love I love the genie you gave me that crystal ball. Yeah, you got I it. I love that too. I love that too, Charity. Thank you so much. Remember, we drop episodes twice per month on your favorite audio platforms, and also on YouTube. Search Breaking Barriers. D-E-I-M-B podcast. Thank you all so much. This has been a good conversation. This is a good Yes. Good stuff. Appreciate it. Advancing equity is not a one-year project. It's a generational commitment. There are too few people in the world willing to be the domino. Too few people willing to take that fall.